0: Welcome to the companion briefing podcast it's July 7th and today we're going to discuss the latest episode of Loki discuss some of the biggest headlines in the world of sci-fi and the return of click click boom maybe I'm your host Tommy Terry Green and I'm joined as always by our editor James Hoare hi
1: James hello Tommy and like turn-of-the-century huckster P.T. Barnum I am burdened with glorious circus
0: Let's dive into This Week in Geek. The uh, newsletter's been rolling out again. It's looking good.
1: Oh, thank you very much. I uh, i mean, the concept was was me. Um, I don't really know how the execution happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the topics on this newsletter, which you should share around to people who might find it interesting, is we we'll just talk about some of the things that we're talking about this week. So, a great place for us to share that is on this very podcast. So, James, what have we been talking about this week, first and foremost?
1: First and foremost, it is Noah Hawley of the Fargo TV series and Legion, which I think I mentioned nearly as often as Doctor Who on this podcast. Um, I'm a fan, is basically the summation of that. Anyway, he's he's keeping up his work with Fox, working on an alien TV show that he... Um, described in an interview with Vanity Fair, I think, has been about inequality when that gets out of control. Um, The important thing for Alien fans was that it wasn't going to be a Ripley-centric story, and it was going to take place on Earth, which is nice, because ever since, um, I think, the marketing campaign for uh, Alien Resurrection kind of teased the alien getting to Earth, and we never saw that. So, aside from one of the dreadful Alien versus Predator films, we've never been given that payoff. Unfortunately, um, Twitter, being Twitter, and occupied by people who all pass around the same brain cell, they've gotten really, really aggro about the idea of um, inequality and un- unchecked inequality appearing. An alien film. Um, I, I don't know if they thought Wayland Utani were the good guys, or if they were a, a non-profit or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what they saw, to be honest.
0: It's it's crazy. It's like these people have watched something entirely different. That <laughs> they just I don't know. I don't know where they. I don't know what they get out of it other than thinking it's the most surface level basic thing ever. I mean, they must love Alien vs. Predator, to be honest. <laughs> you know, there's no subtext whatsoever. It's just.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder understand. if they just watched it without sound, maybe? <laughs> no, i have like, just seen the poster. Be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does your TV have sound?
0: <laughs> um, it, it, it blows my mind every time, to be honest. And yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think.
1: It's- Effectively, one of these every two weeks now. We'll we get somebody revealing that. I don't know. When when anybody admits their TV show or film is about anything other than aliens, people get really, really angry. And I remember a really good line from um, Matt Groening when Future Armor first aired, and he was kind of delivering it in these sort of. Um, kind of mock theatrical tones, and he, he just leant over and he went, "Good science fiction isn't about the future; it's about now." <laughs> like he was kind of, <laughs> uh, he's just saying the obvious thing, but as if he was revealing revealing it to a um, big secret. Yeah, yeah, um, and we're we're still having that conversation weirdly, well not weirdly, because as I said, the internet most of Twitter consists of. Uh, a large group of people huddled together, passing around a single brain cell, which they then rub between their hands to wake it up. <laughs> Breathe on it yeah, a little
0: bit. I don't understand. I mean, nothing's changed. There's going to be a new alien film, and it's going to be just as political as all the other alien films. <laughs> you can either yeah. read into that or boycott it, but it really doesn't bother me. <laughs> just, just yeah. I mean, stop it's recently getting as... it on my Twitter timeline. Yeah,
1: I mean, as recently as Prometheus, which. I mean, I know everybody hates. I don't. I really enjoyed it, but I I like a bit of um, lunacy in my films. The whole thing was about uh, an aging tycoon trying to ensure his immortality by somehow stowing away in a ship within a ship or something. Like, there were about four extra rooms to that spaceship that he was hanging out in and nobody had noticed. But, yeah. So it's not—it's not a secret. It's not just—it's not just a thing that was in the corner of your eye in Alien and never came up again. It's been pretty much the plot of every Alien movie. But what else I was going to talk about from the Weekend Geek was the release of The Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime. Now it was originally going to be a theatrical release, but it got Cov blocked, which is a thing I'm going to try and make happen. Um, I don't know if you've been following it. Like Paramount were were pushing Tomorrow War out, and th- this might be a confusing review because I- I'm going to make it sound like it's the worst film in the world. But honestly, <laughs> it is so much fun. Now it's so dumb. Like I-, I can't overstate how truly dumb the Tomorrow War is. Now, like the premise is that at some point in the future, these kind of Screeching, super agile, skittering aliens, as seen in Aliens, are waging war on mankind, and they're you know they're winning. So the survivors on Earth they've opened up a portal to the past. They arrive in the middle of the World Cup for some reason. I don't know if because they 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 want like opening weekend in Brazil or something to smash yeah. it. Um, but yeah, they arrive in the past, our present to recruit soldiers for their future war. Now, in my opinion, maybe I'm um, just not as as quick on the uptake as the filmmakers are, like, why not just move to the past permanently and start preparing for the war there rather than, like, bussing people from the present into the future? Like, why not make the past the entire focus of your, your war effort? Like, there's loads of there's better <laughs> uses of time travel technology than just getting random people to fight a losing war in the future. Um, and that's not even the the baffling bit for me the baffling bit is the director is Lego Batman's Chris McKay. what <laughs> no, right imagine that being your second film or did you see Lego Batman? That's great that was so How good. about we give him a uh, sci-fi actioner with Chris Pratt yeah sure so that happened. Chris Pratt is a special forces vet turned family man and biology teacher. So he has that same kind of like Schwarzenegger chopping wood before he's called back to take yeah. part of the special forces mission vibe that Dave Bautista had in army of the dead. And I think this is actually would make a quite good double bill with army of the dead. Cause it looks great, but it's just dumb. It's just pure, pure dumb. And there's, It tries to say something about conscription, and there's a lovely sense of war weariness to it. But that's about as much subtext as you get. Like, it's a little bit like Starship Troopers, but without the satire. And then the ending is a little bit like The Thing, but by way of the expendables. But the main thing is, it's the first time I've seen a film that relies on time travel as its premise, that has nothing To say about time travel, like the film has so little interest in the concept of time travel, it's it's fascinating. Um, But as I said, it's great fun. Cast charismatic as you know, Chris Pratt, J.K. Simmons. Um, The set pieces are amazing. There's a point when they're just kind of time portaled into the sky above Miami, like while the aliens are attacking, and they're all just falling. So it's it's absolutely epic, and it, that really should have been on the big screen and not on my iPad mini on Amazon Prime. Um, and there's actually a weirdly touching, like, theme about parenting and, like, parent-child relationships running through it. Um, but in the pyramid of hierarchy, when you're looking at a time travel movie with aliens from the future – the parenting message is usually quite low down that list. So it's weird that they uh, they chose that. Um, I mean, I, like I say, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead is an apt comparison because it's almost like the counterpoint to it. It is perhaps arguably like Army of the Dead in that it's an objectively bad film. But at no point do you want to stop watching it. Whereas with Army of the Dead, at every point, I wanted to stop watching it. <laughs> So you're saying I should check it out? Yeah, definitely. 10 out of 10. Good to know. Um,
0: Well, moving on to something, uh, you know, also within the realm of time travel, but perhaps with a little bit more to say about it. uh, Episode 5 of Loki is released, and I don't know how you're feeling about it, but
1: I'm still absolutely loving it. Oh, man, I'm so, so happy. It was just the best, the best use of an hour watching that. Um, it was glorious, anarchic fun. Uh, the highlights for me were obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go really granular here because you can just say all of it, but my highlights was Kid Loki underarming Alligator Loki in combat, as a using him as a weapon. Uh, Mobius getting a hug. I thought that was genuinely a lovely moment. Um President Loki and his gang, because they'd arrived like ju- right straight out of the Warriors or Mad Max Three. They were they were just incredible. Love President Loki. The uh, the Thanos copter in the background of one scene was just absurd. And uh, Frog Thor in his jar, like <laughs> it felt like this episode was just made for Twitter. Like, so, I'm yeah. just thinking that's a lot of money for retweets. That is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah, it, it, was, it was excellent to see um, all the different Lokis. And I think it's really interesting that all the Lokis, you know, sort of calling back what we've spoken about before, what they've spoken about before in the episodes of Lokis survive. That's the the one thing that they do in, in this place where everything's sent to die. The one thing that survives is just all the different variants of Loki. I think that's really, really fun. Uh, Richard E. Grant is incredible, isn't he? Isn't he just having yeah. like the best time? <laughs> yeah, he is.
1: And I just love the way he just wandered around screaming glorious purpose like he was Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, the
0: the budget on this must have been huge. I know we were talking with uh, VFX uh, artist Joe last week, but the VFX were stunning in this. Looking at the Alioth looked incredible.
1: Oh yeah, brilliant. And I know we've, we've been really spoiled for um, superhero movie Fog Monsters. Um, Galactus was obviously a Fog Monster. Um, oh, what was the Fog Monster in Green Lantern? I can't remember, but I know we, we've got to the point in the superhero movie life cycle where we can even compare a life to other superhero Fog Monsters. And I think, well, for start, wow, that's a lot of superhero movies. But also, that was a bloody good fog monster. Yeah, on a TV show. <laughs> a yeah, TV show fog monster, that and it's amazing. kind of at your other end of the spectrum in terms of budget. But like, massive shout out to Sophie Di Martino because she she dropped some flat vowels in that episode, and I was here for it. Like, I can't remember what it was that she said, but I was like, "Oh, your Nottingham is showing, girl." I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually crowned for me what has been a superb year for the Midlands cinematic universe um, oh. because Erin Kellyman was like really staffordshire it up in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, wasn't she?
0: Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> 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 Didn't even cross
1: my mind, but you, you're you're yeah, you're, it's, you're so it's right. A, a subplot you weren't prepared for. On <laughs> the subject of life, though, I did find myself thinking that I. Like, What if it isn't protecting what's at the the other end of the void or in the void? Are we on like the void's waiting room or something? I can't quite remember what the cosmology is here. The void's empty chamber. What if it's keeping something in? What if that's the maximum security wing of the TVA? And that's where we're going to find your old buddy, Kang the Conqueror. And I've spent a couple of episodes now not having an opinion on Kang the Conqueror. So I'm coming in strong here that that's where he's going to be and that Sylvie's one Loki revolution against the TVA is going to wind up uh, letting him out of his his restraint at the end of the universe. Little Douglas Adams joke there for the real Gs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, as soon as you see Elioth from the comics, Elioth is like essentially a rival of Kang. It's, it's someone who has... I guess Kang has these like temporal empires that he rules and like you know massive spans of time and space and Elioth, the usurper has like a much larger empire than kang which is where kang tends to hang around the kind of era of our superheroes because he can't go too much further back because that's like Elioth's domain um so as soon as i saw aliath i'm like oh right come on surely we've got to be getting to kang territory now Hmm. and i guess you kind of see this ominous looking castle beyond the void um so you're thinking someone important is going to be in there and we've got one episode left it's got to be the man behind the curtain so to speak coming up next week and I've just got to double down and say it's it's got to be Kang and I do kind of think he's pulling the strings still I I, I like your theory that he's um perhaps a prisoner and he's awakened by Sylvie's um mission but I don't
1: know. I kind of just think he's, he's putting the string still. Maybe because... It could be both. It could be like one of those, I don't know, Brazilian prison dramas where he's like the the Don. And even the guards are like, you know, kissing the ring. We can, we can both be winners. This isn't an adversarial format, Tommy, and I don't like <laughs> that energy to it. Speaking of adversarial formats, um, usually we have a click-click boom right about now. Yeah, and that is the mother of all adversarial formats, and I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of clickbait out there, and I don't know, like, oh, maybe Frog Loki is, sorry, um, Frog Thor is Alligator Loki's nemesis, and they're getting a spin-off or my heart wasn't in it, because I just thought, well, if I'm not instinctively looking at something on screen, then my idiot brain is going oh my god that definitely means this is going to happen and then five minutes later I realize it's not going to happen but maybe I can convince you that it is it uh, yeah it it just didn't have that sheer outlandishness maybe it's because it's we're coming to the end of the run and all of those threads are getting tied up and we're super focused on the outcome um just didn't I just didn't want to force it And one tame bit of speculation, though, I thought, was the potential tease that our Loki escaped death in Infinity War because Classic Loki or Silver Age Loki, the credits call him Classic Loki, but I prefer Silver Age Loki because it makes me look like some sort of comic book historian. Um, It wasn't his survival that made him a variant. It was the fact that he came out of his sort of exile, self-imposed exile. So maybe you know classic sort of original recipe loki is just uh sitting out in space somewhere and when the tva's gone he can come home which means that the loki we're hanging out with now could die or turn into a different character or who knows what maybe i've just wandered through the back door into an episode of click click boom
0: (laughs) although i will say our loki uh seems surprised at kind of the the idea of an illusion so strong. And, I mean, classic Loki's illusions and constructs were incredible, weren't they? That was such a beautiful moment, such a beautiful scene when he's, like, yeah, orchestrating yeah. A, an not, entire city. Not at all sitting. by him
1: bellowing glorious purpose. like <laughs> <with> <laughs>
0: <Pikachu>. Enhanced <laughs> by that, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I'd love that line when they're going, like, how do you know the alligators are Loki? It's because he's green. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so good oh it's, it's so just, good
0: um, child Loki or Loki boy whatever his name was was um was really fun as well really enjoyed him Yeah, yeah. when you had that sudden turn of them calling him your majesty <laughs> he was the king of the Lokis I thought, it was, I thought it was great
1: fun yeah there's some really lovely moments in there like when he gives our Loki a sword even though it's a short sword because it's, it's such a, a hero weapon and it kind of symbolized that transformation of this Loki from being, you know, dagger-wielding villain to being admittedly a tiny sword. Well, not sword-shaming here, but a tiny sword-wielding hero. Like, he's taking his first steps. And I, thought yeah, I, was I mean,
0: there really was that beautiful villain. moment when Sylvie and Loki share a magic blanket. and Oh, my uh, God, I was
1: grinning like a horny clown all the way through that. It was just... Just such a beautiful and authentic moment. Oh, it was so I lovely, wasn't love it? How quiet it was like, or like, neither of them fully committing until he takes that risk and just sort of uh, gives it a bit of the old bewitched nose wiggle and the, the <laughs> blanket no, drapes it, across the shoulders.
0: It was lovely, and he had that moment where. She asks if he's going to betray her and he says, look, I I know what I did. I know I betrayed everyone that I loved and I'm not going to do that again. Like he's he's gone from beyond that. We've spoken a couple of times about arcing out and he's kind of fully realised that arc that we saw before and maybe even gone beyond where it was before and he's really... He just looks like a healthy man now. He just like mentally. Yeah,
1: I'm uh, yeah, really happy for you, mate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're so much happier now, Loki. Like you eating properly, you're gonna settle down. Like have you been thinking about a job? Have <laughs> you <been trained. laughs> Um But yeah, what you're saying actually about the arc does make me think that he might die next episode because it's yeah, so I was thinking deep, that. and it's so tidy. Yeah,
0: I mean, I can kind of maybe they just go and live their lives in their own timeline together, and it's just it's just wonderful. Maybe they come back to the void at the end of the universe and just chill out there, surviving with uh, and they raise Boy Loki together. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a good point actually. I think what you're saying is it's going to be exactly like when Rose Tyler left Doctor Who and she had to go into that alternate universe and took. a clone of David Tennant's Doctor Wither or something and they just live in the after in a mirror universe or something like that. That's exactly what you've just said. And I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> so
0: you usually bring in Doctor Who into its one thing, but you now spinning it and twisting my words to make it seem that <laughs> like I've made a Doctor Who reference. That's that's a whole new low James. <laughs>
1: yeah well you've actually been. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, if you've got any Loki predictions that you want to send our way or if you've got any other questions about the companion content or anything else for that matter, you can send them through to tommy at the Uh James, that is the end of the episode, unless you've got anything else to add.
1: No, only that as we're coming towards the end of uh, Loki, it's inevitable that the briefing will go back to its beginning of the week format, unless... You know, there's a show coming up that you guys are going to be watching. You'd like to see us cover it. Or we could just do a massive Doctor Who watch starting in the 60s. In the 60s? Yeah, just <laughs> many, just let us know. Just how, how many episodes are there? Oh, about six million. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Bye. But in all seriousness, drop us a tweet, drop us an email. Even Facebook, if you're... I don't know, you're you're somebody's racist uncle and you're using Facebook. Um, Just give us a message. Let us know what you'd like to see us cover, what you'd like to see get this level of forensic detail and forensic nonsense. And of course, the eagerly anticipated return of click, click, boom. I'm sure that I can sledgehammer it into any format. Sounds good. See you next week. (laughs) See you next week, guys.